Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, traders. Welcome to the 82nd episode of the Performante Podcast. Haven't done one of these in a while, so we got a lot to catch up on. I think we have a juicy episode ahead of us. The title of this episode is Melt Up. We are seeing risk-on assets look quite bullish. We were in a bit of a brief period of very large uncertainty where asset prices fell substantially. We saw a bearish movement in Bitcoin. We saw the major indices take quite the hit. And I think that was mainly fueled by two things. One was the war in Ukraine that is ongoing. Second is the Federal Reserve playing their games, changing interest rates. But we are seeing what we perceive to be a change in momentum, and we think a melt-up is in the picture. Uh, one of the reasons being is that uh, Volodymyr Slavinsky and uh, Putin are allegedly meeting on Monday or Tuesday in Turkey to discuss peace talks. And that could uh, definitely be a green flag for the bulls pushing prices higher and higher. And uh, there are some other dynamics, but I'll leave that to Keith, who's with us today, and uh, we'll jump right in. Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. The first main topic we're going to be looking at is the inversion of the yield curve. And to give a little bit of an understanding of what the yield curve is, is yields are generated through U.S. bonds. And usually in a normal market environment, the longer du the duration that you are lending capital to the government, the higher the percentage is, which generally makes sense. If you're going to be loaning something out, you're expected to get a higher return than if it's a very short amount. So that's what a normal yield curve looks like, where you have shorter durations yield lower than higher durations or longer durations. But when the yield curve is inverted, what happens is the shorter time frame bonds, like the three month, the two year, actually has a higher yield compared to, let's say, the 10 year, the 20 year and the 30 year. And for the past previous recessions, we're talking about COVID, the global financial crisis, dot-com boom, and really many, many recessions previous to those. But we'll just be taking a closer look at those three major recessions. We have seen the inversion of the yield curve every single time. Now, keep in mind, this is a long-term view of the market, so it's not going to be an imminent something to worry about. But we'll quickly go over the previous inversion of the yield curves to get a better understanding of where we could potentially see the market go from where we are currently right now. So before the major dot-com bust, which was around September of 2000, kind of the ending of the 2000 was when the markets really started to tumble, we saw the yield curve invert in around March of 2000, kind of similar to what we're seeing right now. So we'll take a look at along uh, the global financial crisis as well as COVID. But we can see that when we initially see the inversion of the yield curve, it's not an imminent bearish indication. It does take time for the market to settle in and start to price in the inversion of the yield curve. So that is when the yield curve started to invert for the dot-com boom or bust, I should say. And then we actually saw the decline and the tumbling of the markets at the end of 2000. So really... We're seeing like eight, nine, ten months uh, for the dot-com bust. Global financial crisis, we saw it start to invert in the late half of 2016. So November 2016, or sorry, November 2006 was when the yield curve started to invert. And it took basically around two years um, 
kind of until mid-2008, until the global financial crisis and the market turbulence started to really take place. So we had not a full two years, but getting close to a full two years before the 08 crash, before we started to see the massive liquidation and we saw banks like the largest institutional banks go under for the United States. So it does take years, if not many, many months. And then same thing with COVID. We saw back in around July of 2019, in September of 2019, we saw a significant yield curve inversion where the three-month bond was a higher yield than the two-year, the five-year, the seven-year, and even the 20-year. Meaning if you're borrowing or if you're lending out money for three months, you're getting a higher yield than if you were lending out money on a 20-year time span so that just shows you how kind of inverted the chart is in terms of the dynamic yield curve and that was in august of 2019 and then COVID happened in march of 2020 kind of february march of 2020 so that time frame between the initial yield curve inversion and the decline of the traditional markets does take from the previous three recessions that we've seen, a minimum of let's say eight-ish months or let's say up to a year and a half, not really a two-year mark. So that's why when we're seeing the current yield curve invert, it's not an imminent impending doom for the markets. It is a sign that we should be cautiously bullish. And that's why we're looking at the kind of tail end of 2022 being a point where we're gonna be a lot more conservative but up until from the start of the yield curve to the point where markets really start to tumble, you do continue to see that increase in asset prices that got us to that point. So, and that's why we're seeing a potential melt up of the markets is we're seeing the war start to basically fizzle out or decline. We might be talking about peace offering or peace talks, which is fantastic. And that could create an environment where we have a melt up in asset prices because we won't really see an FOMC meeting until next month, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So that was kind of an overview of the three previous inversions of the yield curve. And if you take one thing out of this podcast, it's if you do see headlines where you get inversions of the yield curve, it's not something to worry about imminently, but it is something that is probably going to be impacting the market in the foreseeable future. And that's why we're looking at the end of 2022 as a potential point where we're going to be a lot more conservative. Yeah, it's the kind of thing, it's a bit of like a foreboding warning, like, hey, the yield curve is inverted, the economy is extremely fragile, tentative. Effectively, it means that people are finding more yield in short-term bonds than long-term bonds because they need that short-term liquidity. And ultimately, investors and traders alike are going to go where there's returns. And with that operational context of, hey, there's going to be a crash, but not right away, we think there's going to be a melt up. There's going to be a melt up in risk on assets, both tech and crypto. And this is going to be where the retail investors, the retail traders jump in, bull markets back on, reach new highs on our major indices and crypto. And that's going to be what provides the exit liquidity for institutions. Mm-hmm. We know, yeah, we know the economy is incredibly fragile right now. The interest rate game that the Federal Reserve is playing is very, is in a precarious place. They're in a situation where they have to choose the economy or the U.S. dollar. And so far, they've been choosing the economy with their very dovish movement since the March 2022 crash. And we're basically speculating that that trend is going to continue. 
and uh, QE infinity. If the US dollar has no limit, then the price of assets has no limit. Prices mm-hmm. are infinite, baby. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, it kind of seems like they're just revolving around the same cyclical loop every time over and over again. And to really simply summarize it, we are, for example, right now, we're in good times. We, we, we've been in good times, let's say, since the end of 2009, 2010, kind of since the global financial crisis. We've gone up 4x, a little bit over 4x in terms of the largest index in the US, the S&P 500, which is unbelievable. So when you're looking at it in terms of the larger cyclical moves that the Fed is creating or what the Fed is driving, you got good times, which is what we're in right now, which because they have to inflate the currency or lower interest rates, that causes inflation because you're running the economy hot. And at that point, the rich are getting richer because they own all the assets that are appreciating and that slowly turns into animosity between the rich and the poor because the poor don't have any assets. And after a certain point, the inflation will impact everyday goods and services, gas, food, rent, really anything that the everyday average Joe needs is increasing in prices. So they're slowly starting to feel the pinch of inflation and that is causing politicians to feel the pressure to do something because everyday people are getting impacted, they are revolting. They're frustrated. And the only thing central bankers and governments really can do is one of two things. They could either raise interest rates or they can, or like kind of at this point, um, <laughs> they kind of only have one thing to do because normally you would have to remove liquidity from the market, but they've already done that. They're not buying any more assets from the open market. So really the only thing that they have to do at this point is to raise interest rates. And that would basically make it a lot harder for businesses to operate because they can't borrow as money as cheaply, which wouldn't allow them to invest in innovative technologies that would drive future growth for the business. So then the stock market takes a hit. And then if the stock market takes enough of the hit, the central bankers say, hey, we have to do something about this. We can't have this instability. And then they provide a whole bunch of liquidity into the market, lower interest rates again, and then we're back in the good times. And then the cycle repeats over and over and over again. And that's really what we've seen, right? So we are at the tail end of the good times and we're starting to feel the heat of the inflation. People are starting to say, hey, the government, you got to do something. And we are at the point where they are in, are they're raising interest rates, combating inflation because they've ran the economy too hot. And they're getting to a point where raising their interest rates is going to impact the economy on a negative way. And in the future, we're thinking kind of like later half of 2022 or potentially 2023, the stock market will take a negative impact because of the rising interest rates. And that could be a monumental dip buying opportunity for people that are looking at risk on assets during the point of max fear and max uncertainty. Yeah, very well said. I think uh, this would be an important time to shill Ray Dalio's most recent book, uh, Changing World Order, Why Nations Succeed and Why Nations Fail. Very great overview into a couple different topics. Uh, One would be like economical history, world reserve currencies. He provides a very solid foundation about uh, the Dutch currency, the British currency, why these failed, the U.S. dollar's rise to power, and the U.S. dollar's faltering that we're seeing right now. And then the last, roughly one-third of the book, talks about current geopolitical interests, who, who, who are the contenders for the next global reserve currency? 
and it was released very recently in uh, December 2022. And it's interesting to see a lot of Ray Dalio's predictions, his forecasting of what's going on now in the global economy has already come true. And so he's definitely one person that I think we both, me and Keith, look up to from the macroeconomic perspective is Ray Dalio. And I can't I can't recommend his most recent book enough for getting a comprehensive understanding of both where we have been in the past and where we're going to be in the future with the current economic turmoil at both the national and sovereign level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a, a really good quote is, in order to better understand the future, you have to look back at the past. And that book is probably one of the best overviews of what happened in the three previous global reserve currencies in order to understand what we're currently facing right now. It's kind of like a playbook, um, honestly, in terms of like a global, global macro perspective. So uh, for those who haven't read it, definitely it would be um, a recommended addition to the list of books to read for sure. So kind of moving a little bit into the yield curve a little bit more um, and talking about the interest rates from the Fed, the next Federal Reserve meeting or the FOMC meeting is on May 3rd or 4th. Um, the main one is going to be on the 4th because they do have a two day, but then the main discussion where Jay Powell goes on the live we watch the YouTube lives, but um, he goes live and then people ask him questions and stuff. Um, that's going to be on May 4th. So we do have this entire month where they're not going to raise interest rates um, unless they come out with an emergency meeting, which I don't think they will. Uh, it'll just basically be a opportunity or an environment for the market to continue moving to the upside. You really see a lot of tech stocks doing really well and something that could negatively impact it would be the rising interest rates, but it kind of seems like the market has priced in potential future interest rate hikes. So it'll just be dependent on how much they're going to raise interest rates for May 4th. But overall, it doesn't seem like it's negatively impacting the market too much. It's just only time will tell. Um, I think the broader market will be a more important market to keep an eye on in terms of the inversion of the yield curve and understanding that there is a broader potential market correction that could come. But like Nathan said, I do think that melt up, melt up is a higher probable situation with the war subsiding, not really taking the spotlight. COVID uh, variations are reducing in severity basically on a global scale. So it is creating a market environment where there's a lot of capital on the sidelines waiting to get deployed. And it's just waiting for the bulls to confirm that move to the upside before the rest of the market will deploy the rest of its stable coins, if it's in crypto or deploy the rest of its currencies in US dollar into the risk on assets. And that will create that melt up that we're talking about. Yeah, I think we've never been at a point in time where macroeconomics and watching the Federal Reserve live streams have been as popular as they are. There's actually a survey done. It was featured on a CNBC article. What is the biggest threat to markets? 46% of the investors that were sampled in the survey said the biggest threat to markets, 46% Federal Reserve misstep. Just below that at 33% was inflation in the U.S., and in order as the minority selections were Russian aggression, relations with China, and resurgence of COVID. And so that really just fortifies the entire market is aware of inflation, but is watching how the Federal Reserve reacts to it. It'll be interesting to see if they do put on their big boy pants and go for the 50 basis points increase. I think that would be 
a step in the right direction to control inflation, but I think that might be a little bit too of a quick-handed move for the market to price in. But it's nice. We have the wiggle room. No FOMC in April. Next one's in May. That gives the market some nice breathing room where they can run, hopefully, without speculation about what comes next in terms of inflation, unemployment, overall economic statistics because at the end of the day, we live in a Fed-directed market. I think everyone's aware that the current P-E ratios are non-sustainable and the current valuations of companies are completely illogical, uh, but it's just a matter of operating within the context of ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Extremely well said. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up our podcast altogether. To loop it back a little bit into crypto, BTC has pulled back a little bit. It is holding that 44K level of previous resistance, which is now holding as a strong level of demand or support. And we are contracting, making lower highs, pressing up against that 44K level. Um, I think, as I'm sure a lot of people do think, we are going to be holding that level. We're going to be squeezing, contracting that volatility, and then pressing up, making our next leg to the up upside, breaking our previous local high, climbing back up to that 50k range. So I don't think we're at like bull market territory just yet in terms of like breaking all time highs and like going into a monumental push up like we kind of saw back in the October of 2020 into the summer of 2021 or like the spring of 2021 when BTC went from like 11k to let's say 64k around there. I don't think we're at that point in, in time yet. You got to look at the Bitcoin halving rate and it, it does take a little bit of time for that next massive leg up to come through. But I think from where we are right now, we do have a lot of room for that previous all time high or like that range high that 65 to 69k range high get hit. So although it does look like we are going to be melting up, um, I don't think it's going to be as monumental as BTC to 100k smooth sailing and we should just dump everything into crypto because like we talked about there is that looming threat of that major dip and i think once that major dip comes where the fed raise interest rates too high the traditional markets start to absolutely tank which will spill over into crypto i think that is the point of the maximum opportunity that we could have in terms of basically accumulating as much crypto as possible yeah, we're living in a very turbulent time, but I think there is a lot of opportunity for profit over the next couple of weeks, months, maybe years. Uh, but ultimately, this is going to be a time where we know that the worst is yet to come. So taking profit and capitalizing on these opportunities is incredibly important to ensure your financial safety and your ability to capitalize on the potential deals that will be coming. We're all aware of the economic situation. We're, we're essentially a heavy economy on a glass floor, and it's only a matter of time until we see those major financial, the major financial reset, let's call it. Mm -hmm. We are at a period of time where a great reset is needed, and uh, with the current momentum, the current energy we've built up with the debt cycle, the business cycle, the demographic cycle, it could be something that makes 08 look like a walk in the park. And uh, as we navigate these financial markets, it's important. The best offense is a great defense. And uh, thanks for tuning into this podcast. We will leave it there. Stay safe and take care, everyone.